Welcome to another episode of More Happy Life, the podcast that will teach you how to trigger upward spirals of health and happiness in your life. I'm Andy Proctor, a happiness activist whose goal is to make your life more happy with science-backed strategies and powerful interviews. If you enjoy this episode, share it and let me know by tapping the stars in the reviews. of more happy life this is your host andy proctor thanks so much for your ears i seriously appreciate it and today's episode is wonderful uh episode with dr anne ramoyne she is an la based epidemiologist which basically means she's an expert virus hunter (laughs) uh and having worked in both uh in public health on the Ebola virus in the Democratic Republic of Congo for years, and now she's a leading researcher on COVID-19. She's extremely knowledgeable as a scientist, but she's also, uh, as you see in our conversation today in this episode, very accessible in in discussing the social effects of COVID-19 on our population. So, I really do hope that you listen today. Um, she's an amazing guest. She's been featured all over the place from CNN, MSNBC, Good Morning America, Fox Business, you know, Health, Huffington Post, Wall Street Journal, New York Times. Um, she's an amazing scientist and doctor, and she is somebody that I think uh, not only is knowledgeable about the COVID-19 um, and other viruses out there um, and, and, and even pandemics and epidemics, but also she is very savvy with regards to bringing hope to the situation. And I really appreciate how much she has done to, to bring hope and to help people um, in this situation of uncertainty and difficulty with uh, the COVID-19 virus. So uh, please tune in to today's episode on hope uh, during this uh, pandemic and that there really is light at the end of the tunnel. So thank you so much for listening, and enjoy this episode. Okay, and Dr. Anne Ramoyne, thank you so much for being on the show. It's so good to have you. We, uh, um, you know, on the show, talk so much about the science of a more happy life. And with all the impact of COVID on our well-being, uh, I thought it would be really interesting to have an expert virus hunter, <laughs> um, aka ep- epidemiologist, uh, on the show uh, to talk about some of the social impacts and maybe emotional impacts also of of COVID from uh, from your standpoint. Uh, so, you worked on the Ebola virus, if I understand right, in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Um, a, a while back and have some experience of seeing the impact of a virus during and after. So I would love to kind of talk a little bit about that and specifically talk a little bit about hope. But anyways, welcome to the show, Anne. Well, thanks for having me. It's nice to be here. And you're, you're absolutely right. I've spent the last 20 years and continue to run a research program in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Uh, where we've had many Ebola outbreaks and uh, are having a a small one at this point right now. And, and, and yeah, absolutely. I think that, that there are so many lessons to be learned from places like DRC, 
from my staff, from my ongoing studies there, and, and also from what's going on here right now. You know, we have to learn from it. We have to figure out how to do better and look to the future for how it's going to make us better. Yeah, definitely. You know, and I think a lot of people um, have kind of gone from scared to cautious to fatigued uh, to maybe a little bit apathetic. <laughs> um, and often this apathy leads to a lack of caution, right? Which then sometimes leads to infection. And then, and then after being infected to fear, you know, and then back through that same cycle. And I, I, I want to talk a little bit about the hope at the end. Um, because, you know, you've, you've seen this, hopefully at least partially, right? And I think, I, I just want to ask, I guess, have you seen this hope return to a society that's plagued by a virus? Um, you know, or, or, or what reason do we have, you know, do you, do you think we have for hope in our current situation with, with COVID? We, we have so much to, to be hopeful for, and it is going to get better. So I'm going to start, I'm going to start right there. But, you know, I, like I said, I've been working in, in the DRT for 20 years and, and I can tell you from large and small Ebola outbreaks, but in particular, these sustained outbreaks that have happened in DRC over the last years, I know what it's like to be in the throes of something that feels like it's never going to end, but it will end. We have the tools and these vaccines are really the hope that we needed. It's just taking a little bit of time to get out to the population. People will be vaccinated. And we're, we've, we've had a, a terrible winter. We, you know, spring's going to still be a little bumpy, um, but by the summer, the U.S. population is going to be widely vaccinated and things are going to be looking much better. Life will start to get back to normal, but not only will it get back to normal, we'll have learned so much from what's happened. And that's not, that is not negating all of the terrible things that have happened, but looking on the side of, okay, well, wh where is their hope? What, what can we do? We're going to have learned from it. We're going to be better uh, at, at preventing pandemics in the future. We have to be. Uh, and, and we're going to be hopefully really investing in public health and investing in this infrastructure that has been neglected for so long, which allowed us to get into this position in the first place. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I love that. And I love that you said that there is absolutely hope that there's you know, a light at the end of the tunnel, you know, and I think some people can feel it, but I think some people, you know, who either are going through um, COVID right now, uh, or, you know, who've been infected um, with the virus, or, you know, who've, who, who are impacted economically or otherwise, and they're just kind of, you know, struggling and, and, uh, you know, our brains are kind of programmed to uh, only pay attention to uh, or really pay more attention to, to the negative, um, and, you know, our negativity bias. And so, uh, I think it's really good to hear even from, you know, an epidemiologist <laughs> who's a virus hunter, who, you know, you're an expert on these things that there is hope and that we will get through this and that, you know, 
maybe summer is, you know, going to be this, this time that we, that we're all through it, you know? And that we well, we won't creating. be through it, <laughs> but okay, we are yeah. going okay. to be much further much, along. Much further. Okay. And, yeah. and I think that that's really important to understand that, that it's, we are moving in the right direction. We are yeah. going to be so much closer. There are going to be pieces of life that are very likely going to be able to get back to normal yeah. by this summer. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely going to be better. And, mm. you know, I think I, it, it, and it, and it could be a little sooner or it could be a little bit later, you know, nobody can give yeah. you an exact time or date. It really depends upon how quickly we can get vaccines in arms and, yeah. and then how, and, and then there will be, then if we have, if we have a good net of immunity here in the United States, then life is going to start to get back to normal here. It's not going to be perfect, but it mm. will start to, to look more normal. Of course, until we really get people vaccinated globally, we're still going to have a problem, but it's never going to just go away. We're never going to it's not going to disappear and we'll never think about it again. You know, it's yeah. likely that we'll continue to have to get vaccines. This virus does mutate. And so it'll become yeah. like a flu vaccine, most likely. Yeah. Um, but you know, the bottom line is, is that, that things are going to get better. I love that. Yeah. I mean, just like Ebola, right? Like you, you continue to do research on that and um, but, but it's not like it's this massive thing that's in the news, like it used to be. And I was talking to somebody, um, about this topic recently about how, you know, anybody who, um, who was alive or at least, you know, young or, or old enough to, to, to have kind of, uh, know what was going on back in September, 2001, um, you know, September 11th. Uh, was super impactful and everybody thought, oh, is this the end of the world or is this, you know, going to change everything? And, and there were definitely some changes that happened because of, because of that, you know, those events, but then, well, yeah. It, but, but yeah, but then now I think we remember it. Right. And there's, and like airport security is totally different now. Right. Still from that one event that was a long time ago, but it's not the same, right. It's like, we, we, we don't, we're not like constantly talking about 9-11 anymore. Well, I think, I think they're two. Okay. So there are two pieces here. So the first thing is, is that we're not talking about Ebola right now because we have a, a COVID crisis. Yeah. Um, Ebola is still a threat. It's still something yeah. we have to be very cautious about. You know, we've just had a case in the DRC, um, uh, in a, in the wife of a survivor of, mm. of Ebola and what this suggests is actually sexual transmission. So it's something that we really now have to think about what we've learned from Ebola is that we can never let our guard down. We always need to be doing really good surveillance. We always need to, because we always are at risk for a major epidemic that could happen at any moment. Viruses are constantly crossing species into humans and we have to do better. The good news is, is, uh, you know, now we, we are aware the reason that this outbreak spiraled out of control in a place like the, like West Africa was because they'd never seen Ebola before. They weren't mm. ready for it when it was circulating. Yeah. They didn't know it was Ebola until it had already taken hold. That will never happen again in these places. I mean, so that's the, that's the, the, the good news in that yeah. scenario. The second thing when it comes to 9-11, um, and I use this example all the time, um, it's true. Life changes. There's going to be a new normal after this. And that is because 
with 9-11, we learned so much. It isn't just about airport security. That's not the only thing that changed. What we learned was that all of these agencies, the CIA, the FBI, police, the police forces, all of our surveillance networks uh, for terrorism were not talking to each other. They were, mm. you know, Interpol wasn't talking to the CIA and FBI wasn't talking to the CIA and, and you know, all of these different groups, they were not speaking to each other. And so there was no way to be sharing information. And so things would get, would fall through the cracks. And I think we've learned over and over again, you know, unfortunately this lesson that if you don't listen to the signals that are out there, you could end up being in big trouble. And so airport security is one piece of that. Um, and, and so, um, and, and while we're not talking about the rest of it all the time, you know, there are threats that are being noted and taken down all the time. We benefit from that safety network and it can always improve. It can always get better. Um, I think that, that the thing that we always have to worry about is complacency Mm. and making sure people saying, Whoo, okay, got through that. Now it's only this and have some sort of um, you know, for example, hygiene theater, what we call it, where you're just kind of wiping things down, but not doing a good enough job, not staying away from people, not doing these, these feeling like you're checking these boxes, but they aren't really continuing to do what they need to do. And I think that that's what we all need to remember here is that, that, you know, even right, right now, when we're seeing these cases come down, we should be really glad about that. That's really important. It's we're you know, lives will be saved because people did the right thing, yeah. but people have to continue to do the right thing. Just it's, it's, it's not time to party yet. <laughs> yeah, we're, right. we're definitely still in the throes of it. And that's hard for people. It is hard for people. Yeah. Um, and, and, and you, you said it perfectly at the beginning that, you know, it's, you know, first fear and then, you know, fatigue and then Mm -hmm. apathy. And then that leads to more cases. And I think we have to be very, very careful. There are so many things to be optimistic about. We have vaccines that are are very good. They're very safe. They're, they're doing what they need to do. They're getting into arms, you know, yet we need to get Mm -hmm. more vaccines into more arms as soon as we can. And we've got this, this onslaught of variants ahead of us, but, but we're going to, we're going to learn from this and do better in the future. I love that, you know, and I, I really do like talking about things like this because I think I mean, even though the subject of this podcast is like a more happy life, right. And happiness, you know, until we hit that level of um, <laughs> basic needs met, I think it is more difficult to have um, that sense of, of, you know, life satisfaction as often as, as we could. And so I, you know, I think these things are so important. I mean, if you don't have your health, like you, you can't, it's hard to be, it's hard to think about being happy, <laughs> you know? Um, and that is really, really true. And, <laughs> and I think that that's what people need to remember too, is that those of us who have remained unscathed in terms of our health, um, you know, to date, you know, we're, we're very lucky because even people who, uh, have asymptomatic infections or very low grade, mild infections, there's still an issue of long haul COVID. There are things that we have to avoid. 
um, and there are reasons we want to avoid getting COVID, why we need to get the vaccine and, and why we need to, to do a good job because, because happiness is important and happiness is, is also connected to health. Um, yeah. And so we're, we're, we're not there yet. We're close. We're moving in the right direction. Those are things to be really glad about. The, the, the light is becoming so much brighter at the end of that tunnel, but we, we still have a way to go. And, you know, it's really hard for epidemiologists to, you know, I, I find because this is, I mean, this is an important podcast. You're talking about really important things and talking about happiness and, and, and yet here I am, you know, I'm still the buzzkill saying, Hey, yeah, but, but still, Yes, be happy about this, but still wear your mask and still social distance and still do these things. And it's, you know, I, 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 I completely understand the the complication here that, that, um, it's, it's hard when, and, and what people have had to figure out, I think is how to be happy in less than optimal circumstances. Uh, and, Mm. and, and being happy knowing that there's hope on the horizon and knowing that things are going to get better. And, 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 and it's, it's easy to say it, but it's very hard to, to live it. It's hard for all of us to live it. Mm. Um, but because this has been a very tough, tough year for people, yeah. people have lost so much. Um, people yeah. have lost loved ones. They've lost jobs. They've lost stability. There've been mental health issues kids aren't able to get what they need because they're home. Um, you know, it's, these are, these are all things that we need to acknowledge and, and, and understand, um, that they are, they are tough. They are difficult. Um, so how do you find hope in all of this? Well, things are turning around. There are vaccines. Life will get back to a new normal. We're just, we're just not there yet. Thank you for that hope. That's, that seriously is so helpful. And I, you know, if people haven't heard it from other places already, this, you know, this is a, this is great to hear it from, from you, you know, from a doctor and somebody who's, who's constantly on the lookout for how can we, you know, help people with this type of this, specifically this type of situation with the virus. And so I want to talk a little bit about emotions and specifically, you keep talking about the vaccine coming, you know, to the general public over the next uh, few months and, um, you know, to a year. And, uh, you know, let's, let's talk a little bit about the difference between this concept of vaccine hesitancy Mm-hmm. And then like anti-vaccine, because I know there's, you know, um, some people choose to be anti-vaccine, but then some people, you know, um, are just kind of afraid, right? They're just kind of hesitant because they're like, well, I don't know about this one. Like this seems like it was kind of quick, you know, I mean, doesn't it take, you know, however long, you know, more than four years for even a fast vaccine to be developed or whatever, you know, so from a strictly scientific standpoint, this is your background, right? Do you believe that we have reason for fear at all, either for, for either of the vaccines? I know there's like two different um, companies that have vaccines. So this is a really good question. And I know that everybody is still trying to, to sort out, um, you know, many people are still trying to sort this out, but, but, but here's the, the thing with these mRNA vaccines, these mRNA vaccines, even though they are new um, in terms of being 
a vaccine that we're using, they have been being studied for the last 20 years. And this technology is very, very safe. This technology uh, is, is really revolutionary. We're gonna see a lot more RNA, mRNA vaccines in the future because these vaccines, they're, they're made quickly, they're inexpensive, they're easily tweaked, which is gonna be really important as we see these, the rise of these mutant strains, these mutant variants that will take over and we're gonna be able to, to, to have new vaccines that will be able to, to guard against these other variants in the future. This is really fantastic news. Uh, I, I think you also asked this question about, well, what they're anti-vaxxers and they're people that are vaccine hesitant. And I'm actually running a study uh, at, at UCLA uh, in, in healthcare workers and first responders on this very topic. We're also talking to teachers and moving into essential work populations. And this is really a key topic. And they're two different, these are two different groups. One are the people who are anti-vaxxers, anti-vaccine. Those are people who really are not wanting to take any vaccine. That's one thing. Here we have a very different issue. This is an issue of being nervous about this vaccine. And we actually just published a paper in the Annals of Internal Medicine yesterday on this very topic about uh, attitudes towards vaccination in health workers and here in Los Angeles. And what we found back in, in September, October, that 66% of the health workers that we, that we surveyed did not wanna be first to get this vaccine. It wasn't that they were anti-vaccine. There was a small percentage that were anti-vaccine in general, it was very, very small, less than 10%. It was like five, six percent. Um, but the, the the people that were anti that, that were just hesitant about the vaccine, we had like sixty six percent of that of that group, and we had a high number. We had a similar number in our first responders the, um, that we were working with, and it wasn't that they didn't trust vaccines in general. They were worried about this vaccine, and they were worried about it because of the politicization of the process, the speed. Uh, and and the the lack of information, you know, all things that that at the time were very important. Now we resurveyed people in December, right after the first vaccine, the Pfizer vaccine, had gone through FDA approval, and it flipped. All of a sudden, it was sixty percent of the of the health workers were eager to get the vaccine right away. There were only a third of those vac of those health workers who wanted to hold back and had a similar. Uh, similar finding in the, the first responders. And then we did another survey that we're working on these data right now, looking at who, um, who of these people actually got the vaccine. You know, and this is gonna be something that's gonna continually change over time. So I think that, that you know, this, these are, it's, it's really important to, to look at these groups and to really understand, well, what, what's driving this hesitancy and how do we get in front of it? What do we do? Well, you need to really understand why people are worried about the vaccine and answer the questions that people have about it. You know, it's really interesting because I think that our study, that, that vaccine hesitancy is really a story of health communication and how do you find out what people are worried about and get them the answers that they need to make the decisions. If the if you and and that's true for everything, so I I think this is really important to remember that that it's also not a a one time 
this is not a, a, a static indicator. This isn't something that's just that, you know, this is how I feel today and I'm going to feel that way tomorrow. And I'm going to feel that way next week. And we'll feel that way the week after this is a moving target and why it's so important to be able to capture everything that's happening and what is tipping people over the edge into saying, you know what, it's worth it to get this vaccine. Sure. The risks to everything. Um, the risks are low uh, of, of a side effect or an adverse reaction. They're very, very low, but the risk of getting COVID is so much greater in the side that the, the long-term effects or the potential for a serious disease or death are real. And, and, and also being part of a chain of transmission that you couldn't be, it might not be just that you, maybe you are unscathed, but somebody else that you've transmitted to, to not only just in your family, but in your community or beyond yeah. could, could have grave, grave implications for them, um, I think are, are very good reasons to, to get vaccinated. I love that. Yeah, that's, that's so true. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, there's, there's risks to, to flying on an airplane, you know, <laughs> but we do it and, and it's, it's okay. You know, I don't know, that's probably not the best comparison, but, no, but, but it's a good know, point. It's a really a car, good point. You know, um, there's always, there's always risks. Um, so yeah, thank, thank you for that. That's, I think that's assuring um, to me, even uh, reassuring that, uh, you know, um, coming from you, this is, this is a safe vaccine. You know, these are safe vaccines that, that are coming from both of these um, companies. So, and I'm um, somebody who has been vaccinated. So you are somebody um, who you already have been. Okay. Yeah. Great. Well, that, that's, that's great. <laughs> I, I had the Moderna vaccine. I had uh -huh. both doses and, um, and you know, there, you have a sore arm afterwards. Then yes. the, the second, yeah. after the second dose, I, I had some chills. I, I didn't feel, you know, I didn't feel perfect for, for a yeah. day or two, but it really, you know, I, when you know why it's happening, it's yeah. fine. And yeah. And, and honestly, it was, you're far too young for this, but the shingles vaccine is very similar in that way. Mm. Um, and uh, also the Ebola vaccine, which I've had, which is not something that everybody is oh. um, needing to get or should get. Um, but, but those are the only, but, you know, I've had two other vaccines where I've had those kind of uh, side effects. But even, mm. you know, people have this with the tetanus vaccine, meningi meningitis vaccine. I mean, it's not, not totally uncommon to have a few side effects. Right, yeah. Well, that's really good to know. So, you know, I, uh, I work for the Cook Center for Human Connection and um, we, you know, are constantly trying to help people to, to stay connected. We're uh, really concerned about like the social implications of, you know, of social distancing regard. I mean, we, we definitely, you know, we're not trying to avoid or um, disregard the, the, you know, the risks, um, but we're also seeing, and I'm, you know, I'm fascinated with the correlation between uh, social connection and our health. And there's a mountain of data that points to, you know, positive social connection correlating to good health. So, um, you know, what can you say about kind of this social life after COVID, you know, you were kind of mentioning a little bit of this before, but what do you, what do you think the transition should look like? You know, should mask requirements stay in place in certain places like airports, uh, like forever, or, um, you know, should it just, is it going to be gradual? Or are we all going to just forget about masks at some point? You know, is, is, 
what do you what do you think it's going to look like and what what should it look like in terms of transition well i think it's going to be a gradual transition it's not going to all disappear in in one day so i think it's really important that people know that um, it's going to be a gradual event but but i think that there will be um I, I think that what's going to happen is that little by little, as people become, as we have herd immunity and we know it's safe, we'll do, you know, masks will be, um, won't be required. And, and, but, but certainly on airplanes and on enclosed spaces with other people, I think that it's something that we will probably continue to, to do. I mean, I, I think that that we we looked at other countries where people wore masks during flu season. I thought that was so strange a year ago, right. and and now we think, huh, well, I, I mean, look, we have no influenza this year. Yeah. I mean, that's something to be happy about. But yeah. but it's really true, you know. I think we need to think about um, how we're going to adopt some of the things that we've learned here over the long term. So I think the masks are going to be with us for a while for a while longer. I would bet you. For the next year people are going to be wearing masks not everybody but but that people will be still wearing masks in particular if you have a cough if you have a cold if you have yeah. the sniffles i i don't see people walking around you know i think i think that that the people will as common courtesy wear masks or when people are worried people will, will wear masks i think that that will be something that will carry with us mm. um but but i think you know a year from now will we be wearing masks probably not as as a, as a rule yeah okay do you have any, do you have any pro tips for uh people who wear glasses to and a mask to not fog up their glasses <laughs> well i think so part of it is you got to wear a good mask and cdc yeah. actually came out with new guidelines on mm -hmm. on masks today which are really helpful um yes. it's a, it's a speaks to this issue of double masking. And, and so double masking is better, it really makes big difference. And so people should really um, uh, pay attention. Found that layering a cloth mask over one of these blue medical procedural masks, you know, the yeah. blue surgical masks can block uh, like 92.5% of potentially infectious particles um, from escaping by creating a, a much tighter fit and eliminating leakage. You know, those blue masks, you know, it's like gaps on the side. Right. That's what you don't want. You don't want those gaps on the side. Um, you mm -hmm. want, and, and so even if you are going to wear a surgical mask or just a circle surgical mask, you can tie it on the ends and you just go to the CDC website because you can't see it on here. But if you can right. eliminate that, really have it close to your face, that will be better. Um, the other thing, um, for, for people, and, and if you're wearing a surgical mask to do even better then you put a cloth mask on top of it. I like to wear a KN95 mask. Those are those, usually they're white um, and they are, uh, you know, thicker. And, and if you have, they have these uh, bent, you know, these medical, they're, sorry, these metal things at the top, these, these meta, these mm -hmm. mold, moldable metal top pieces here. If right. it's, if it's fitted very closely over your nose and and flat on your face like that so it's molded your eyeglasses should not be fogging up so it's about having really good fit so wearing i think if you wear the, the surgical mask the way that you're supposed to layered or not um, and then and or wear a can 95 have it fitting it really needs to fit well in your face you're not going to get that same kind of escape up into your uh, into your glasses 
Well, that's thank you. I appreciate that because I get I get foggy glasses every time I wear a mask. So <laughs> there you go. More reason for happiness. You have yeah. new ways to wear a mask. Right. <laughs> uh, one of the, the my favorite tips um, for wearing a mask was to smile underneath the mask, e- even if people don't see it. I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> so with all that said about masks and everything and the caution, you know, give us a few tips. Uh, you know, from a virus hunter's standpoint on how to overcome, you know, fear of, you know, once this is all kind of over, right, uh, of, of touching people and, and, and getting back into kind of big groups um, post-vaccine, you know, you're, you're a virus hunter and, uh, you know, the microscopic world that's living around us as well. And um, when herd immunity is is finally reached, like you were talking about, you know, are, are you going to be going to like concerts and big gatherings again? Like what, how do we overcome that, that fear? Well, I think we have to cross that bridge when we get there. And I think knowing that that's going to be the case is great. Um, but I think that in the interim, you know, that, that I think people just need to know that, that, that it's human nature to want to be close to others and to touch, you know, touch people. And, 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 and I really think that when, when it's time for, I mean, and that's been actually the problem, why this virus is spreading so easily, because people just fall into old habits the minute that they get back together. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually think that, that, that people will, I, I think it's, I think that people don't have I don't think people have enough fear of touching each other <laughs> right now. Yeah. Maybe, maybe okay. still stay, maybe still be a little bit afraid um, for the next couple of months. Um, if you can, please hold on to that that, yeah. that fear. Yeah. If that's what keeps people from, from gathering, you know, I, I do still think we have so many of these opportunities where people, you know, we've got Valentine's Day, we've got um, mm. President's Day weekend. We're soon going to have spring break. You know, we are going to have these opportunities. It's so easy to fall back into that pattern. You know, I really think, I think when you ask me this question, the reason that I say this to you and way I say it to you in this way is because I'm pretty sure people will, if, if every Ebola outbreak that I have ever been around uh, tells me otherwise, you know, tells me what I know is that people are just going to snap back into it like things never were before. And we're going to have to work to keep people to remind them, you know, that, that there are still things we have to worry about when this pandemic is over, you know, there, there will be others. Um, so, so what I would say is there is a future for all of this and it is going to get better. And, 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 I think people will be surprised at how quickly life returns to normal when it can. Um, but, but until it does, the things we can do to get it to go back to normal more quickly is to do all the things we know we should do. And to do that with some, and I, I don't want to say, I, I, I say this with you know, a little bit of, of irony at the same time, but with, with, with happiness and joy, knowing that this is, this, this is going to end. This is going to end. It is going to get better. If you can just hang on a little bit longer, do it when you're putting your masks on, know that now we have so much science to, to, to actually 
tell us that masks work. And now we're actually getting guidelines on these masks. You know, I was one of the first people with uh, among, you know, with, with a group of people saying, hey, we need to be wearing masks. And at first people were saying, oh, that's ridiculous. You shouldn't be wearing masks. Come on, give me a break. <laughs> you know, now we have science that's telling us wear these masks. And not only that, we have data that's showing you how much these masks work. They protect you. They protect me. If everybody's wearing a mask, we can just conquer this thing. We can knock this thing out. That's so important. You have power. And, and I think that that's one of the things that people need to realize is that like you have some control and there's going to be more and more control over your situation as we learn more with the science. Here are things you can do to control your environment. Wear a mask, wear it right. You know, it, we know social distancing works. We know being in places that are well-ventilated or being outside is much better. Do those things. We have so much more knowledge than we did a year ago. We're, we're not living in the dark anymore. It's, it's, you know, it's getting light. So we're just not quite at the end yet. Well, I love that. And, you know, honestly, science um, is, is a big, it, it gives me hope that scientists are doing so much to, to help. And that the fact that we, 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 you know, were able to come up with a vaccine using, you know, existing research and, and then, you know, you know, collaborating together, uh, both business and government, uh, you know, both domestically and internationally to come up with this vaccine so quickly is, I think it's like a modern day miracle, you know, for, for science um, to, 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 to come up with that. And to me, like that gives me hope, like what an amazing world we live in that we can actually come up with. That. I mean, you know, a hundred years ago, that, that didn't happen with the Spanish flu. And, you know, the, 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 um, gosh, what was it? The black plague. I can't, I'm trying to remember what the, the bubonic plague, um, you know, I mean, took out how many people? I, I don't even know. Maybe, you know, that number, I don't know that number, but it was a lot. Well, here's um, some, here's something to think about. You know what happened after the pandemic of the, the 1918 pandemic? Yeah. The roaring twenties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People will get back to normal. This is not, we're not looking at a long apocalyptic future. Right. Yeah. So this yeah. is, this, there will be so much, um, there's so much to be grateful for, so much to be happy about, yeah. so much that's that's going to happen in the future. And I say that not negating all of the pain and suffering that everybody has been through because it has been so tough for mm. everyone. Yeah. Uh, so I am, um, and so with that in mind, I just say, you know, we, we have a lot to look forward to. We just need to get there. And to get there, we need to get there together by doing all of these things. And I know it sounds hokey and I know it, you know, people kind of roll their eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's really true. Everybody has something that they can do. Everybody can wear these masks. The data is now so clear that if everybody's wearing masks, wearing good masks, wearing them right, it can reduce the spread. Yeah. Yeah, no, it really is hopeful. And I really appreciate your, um, you know, helping me to spread hope uh, in the midst of all of this um, difficulty and, and you know, uh, uncertainty, really, I think. Um, and so I, I really appreciate that. And, you know, a question that I ask every single one of my guests 
that I, I love hearing the answer to, re regardless of, of the topic that we talked about today. Like, what advice do you have for listeners who are just desperately wanting to have a more happy life today? Well, I, I think that's an awesome question. And what I would say is you have to find something that, that you can do that actually makes you feel good um, that, that, and, and taking steps in the right direction, you know, so they're, they're kind of different pieces of this, but what I do, like what I have done during this pandemic to make me feel better is to do things as much as to, to, to do positive things. I feel like there's this more positive things you can do and the more positive energy you can create and the more positive things you can do for people, the better it is. So you know, I've spent all my time talking about COVID and talking to people about COVID and getting on the news and talking about people about COVID because I feel like if I can give the right information to people, they can make really good decisions. And that makes me so happy that I've done something that actually can help somebody. Um, you know, when you can't do the things that we normally would do, like go to the movies or play sports or go out to dinner or hang out with friends, what are other things that can make you feel happy? I really think that helping other people make if, if you can make a difference in somebody else's life, if you can make somebody else's life better in any way during this time when we can't do all the other things that really make us happy, I mean, that is something that, that I guarantee you, if you can get outside yourself and help somebody else, if you can, and you can't always do it, you have to give yourself a break if you can't, but if you can, it will make a difference kind of how I live my life in general. I always, you know, I, and, and so I just try and do as much as I can to do, to, to, to spread more good in the world. And by doing that, that at a time where you can't do these kind of more self-centered things that make you happy, that being, being focused on what you can do for other people does make a big difference. I love it. Thank you. I love that. That's, that's beautiful. It's just amazing. So thank you for sharing that. And, uh, that's always my favorite, uh, question to, to get an answer for. So thank you for, for sharing, um, that and, and, um, and, and thank you for the good that you are doing. Seriously. That's really amazing. So, um, and where can people find you and follow you if they want to understand more of your research? Uh, you were talking about some really cool studies. Uh, if they wanted to, you know, read uh, read some things you've written or or, or whatever, where, where can they find you and, and support you? Uh, so the best place to find me, you can find me on Twitter at a r i m o i n a ramoin, just my 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 first initial and my last name. A-R-I-M-O-I-N. And then on Instagram, you can find me at Anne Ramoin, A-N-N-E-R-I-M-O-I-N. So you can follow me on Twitter. You can follow me on Instagram. And I, I'm, I'm trying to do, I'm trying to get all these things up there and, and, and to do this more often. So um, I'll, I'll be, I'll be uploading as many things and more information because I think people really do want a lot more information these days. So I'm going to be trying to, to provide some practical tips and how to, how people can, can, can take this information and use it practically in their lives uh, going forward. I love it. I just 
just followed you. So you got another follower at least out of this. <laughs> awesome. And I, I love hope, it. Uh, I hope everybody else does too. So thank you so much, Anne, for, for being on the show today. Uh, thank you for bringing the hope that you, you did about this really tricky situation that we're in. And also thank you for all the good that you're doing. Well, thank you. And thanks for having me. This has been a really fantastic conversation. And it's been nice to focus on, on hope and happiness and where we're going in the future. Remember the roaring 20s. <laughs> Remember the roaring 20s. I really hope this episode helped you to have a more happy life today. If you enjoy this episode, share it and let me know by tapping the stars in the reviews. You can also find me on Instagram at morehappylife or by going to morehappylife.co. Thanks for listening and see you soon.